Welcome back to Punches and Potables, our first one of 2021 here on Valentine's Day. Uh, make sure to continue to follow us and all social media platforms, uh, process potables there. Uh, I am, well, I guess I'm the co-host still. So, Paul, you didn't start this one, so why don't, why don't you say your name since we're all dying to figure out if uh, 2021 has changed anything. All right, welcome back to Punches and Potables. <laughs> I am your host, Paul Ryan. That's right, still Paul Ryan. <laughs> Fuck all of you. you know, We're back a, here with our co-host, show. Rob Huber. <laughs> yes, that's my real name. Thank you. And my pain in the ass little brother, Sean Hardy. You know, yeah, we're done talking to you. Anyway, mute him. Um, <laughs> took this long. Yeah, that's first fair. off, you are in. And no- back with us, as always, <laughs> our editor and producer, Dan Morgan. As always, yeah, he, he runs it. <laughs> yeah, I've missed this. I really have. I, am, I didn't realize we had a trumper in the room. <laughs> I've I've really missed this. I I'm ready for Sean. I'm I'm more excited for Sean than anybody else here. Which seems to be the general consensus of the people that listen to this podcast, and we uh, all just, come to accept it, except Paul. I would I would like to take this just time as, as the producer and the actual boss here to give Sean the floor and just. See what see how Sean's been uh, in 2021 so far, and if he has anything he'd like to get off his chest, Sean. Or All right, so um, I will do a an announcement on Valentine's Day. Uh, I am expecting a child, so Paul will be an uncle, but it'll only be Paul Hardy. Paul Ryan will not be an uncle because that doesn't exist. Okay, <laughs> so for that, I am excited. Um, I'm really excited to be back here. Down here in Dan's basement, hanging out with the bros and uh, drinking some sort of whiskey that I probably don't like. This is this is the the podcast paradise, baby. Get it right. Well, since he brought up the whiskey, we are drinking Glen Murray Speyside Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Looks like it's been aged twelve years. I got it as a Christmas gift, and it I brought it here like to it. share with the boys. It, 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 he, I know he, my whiskey, he, but I can't tell by looking. No, at no, no. Paul Paul Ryan is a whiskey connoisseur, so oh. uh, Paul Hardy doesn't know shit. He just likes Jameson when we force him to take Coke. it at PSB. Damn but, right. Yeah. So let's uh, let's let's dive into this. Cheers, boys. I'm very excited. Here's 2021. Did you say mm. Diet Coke? You can yeah, drink he's the a regular diet, stuff. Coke. He's a Diet Coke guy now. When have you ever seen me drink Diet anything? I don't know, dude. Like, I don't really know you anymore. Wait, so it's not Diet Corey swore it was Diet Coke. Corey's an idiot. Why are you uh, listening to Corey? You know this. Oh, no. Man. I was busting your balls, and then I said Coke, and he said Diet. So, in all fairness, Corey, also wrong. to taste the same at the bar. That's fair, too. But, yeah, back to Corey being an idiot. Why do you ever listen to Corey? I mean, he talks a lot. I don't have that much of a choice. Well, that's fair. I mean, poor Jackie. Poor uh, Jackie. I respect Corey because he supported <laughs> me might, on social media. I have to do another one to Jackie. <laughs> Just shot to pour, Jackie. Pour, pour one out for Jackie. Damn shame. Drink this. <laughs> but, but I believe there is UFC to talk about, boys. Well, there has been a lot of news and an event yesterday, but actually today we're going to start off with Bellator. Yes. Bellator announced the light heavyweight Grand Prix. And for a company that was so hesitant to bring in UFC guys, this whole Grand Prix is pretty much nothing but former UFC fighters. And regardless of that, it's one of the things that... I will say I love about Bellator compared to UFC or any other type of, you know, like fight program is their Grand Prix, these type of matchups, you know, the the ladder bracket kind of, you know, system. I, I love when they do this. It it really isn't done too much anywhere else, and especially when you're talking about, like, the, the two main 
uh, fight promotions, especially in the U.S., between UFC and Bellator. You know, th- this is something that I always look forward to anytime that they do it. There's always some excitement. There's that extra level of, like, tension. And, you know, the, there's that even if it's not a championship, just like, you know, to, to get towards the end there, you don't know who you're going to be fighting next. It, it's always way more exciting when they do this. So it, it makes you want to tune in. It's a smart move by them, and I'm, I'm a big fan of it. No, I definitely like it too because it actually makes your rel- your rankings relevant. Um, where sometimes mm-hmm. with the UFC, it's sometimes it, it doesn't even seem like a ranking matters. For example, when you had Michael Bisbing fight Dan Henderson, who was on the back end of the top ten. So for certain things like that, and and like Paul said, it is former UFC guys, but a lot of these guys are still in their prime. It's not like the UFC cut them. For example, Phil Davis left in his prime, Ryan Bader in his prime, Anthony Rumble Johnson in his prime, and really you could say Yoel Romero. At 43 or 44 years old, whatever he is, is still a dominant wrecking force in any division he's in. I was hoping you were going to switch that up and not say in his prime. But, yeah, yeah. no, de- definitely he is uh, he is a force to be reckoned with, like you said. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all, all, the, all the names he just dropped are, are still top-notch guys, and it, it's going to be one hell of a matchup, however it goes. Well, to break it down, the eight-man tournament is Corey Anderson versus, and I'm going to butcher this name, Dovletzan Yagshimuradov. I mean, Just a Russian guy. <laughs> I think I think he sets himself up to say like, "Oh, I'm going to butcher this," and then he kills it. And I mean, I don't even know if that's right, but like it. it no, felt right. every time he thinks he's going to get it wrong, I'm like, that has to be right. Yeah. Right? Like, well, moving it's on to the, than I would do. Yeah, moving on to the next one. <laughs> the current Bellator champion, uh, Vadim Nedkov, is fighting Mr. Wonderful Phil Davis. You have the rematch of Ryan Bader versus Leota the Dragon Machida. And you have the debut of both of these guys in the Bellator organization in Anthony Rumble Johnson versus Yoel Romero. So whoever wins this tournament not only is getting a hefty paycheck, but will also walk away with the title because if you're fighting the champion, it's still a title fight whether it's the Grand Prix or not. Now, if Bellator's smart, they would put some of those homegrown guys in these events so they can start getting them noticed, like a Douglas Lima or Patricio Pitbull or some of these other guys are trying to push. Well, I think for 2021, especially starting off like this, it's it's good to kind of get everybody acclimated with it. Again, it's not something they've necessarily never done before. Um, but just to start off the year strong with a lot of big-name guys like this, then they can always turn around and do another bracket just you know, a couple months down the line, and then that's when they can start to get a lot of their homegrown fighters that are strictly Bellator, haven't come over from UFC, and they, they can get them in there, get them in a proper ranking system like Sean said as well. So you know, it, it's just something to start the year off right for Bellator, which I think they're doing. Uh, my question is for all of us, though, is who we're each picking to go the distance? Whether, Rumble. Ru- Rumble. Mm. Um, it's probably between the winner of Rumble and... Uh, Romero. Uh, the only reason I'm hesitant to even say Rumble like Paul did off the rip is because Rumble's taking a couple years off. Um, so that was he, my you concern. know, ring rust yeah. might be a thing there, but at the same time, I don't see anyone there. I don't even. And if he came over to the UFC at the state of their light heavyweight division, I don't see anyone in either divisions that could really stop Anthony Rumble Johnson right now. See, I think that rust is going to be super real. Um, I'm not saying that it. I mean, he, he's a great fighter still, but I'm going wild card. Uh, I'm picking Davis. 
That's fair. He's a good fighter. He's a fantastic fighter. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people are counting him out as well. Not necessarily, you know, not to maybe win his first bout or anything. But I, I'm going wild card on that one. I'm, I'm sticking with Davis for the entirety, uh, you know, at least till that championship match. If not, you know, taking the whole thing. All right. Well, we're going to jump in because there's been some news and a lot of this kind of clashes together with what's going on right now. Um, Hamzat Shemaev versus Leon Edwards has been canceled for the third time because Hamzat is still showing signs of COVID. Like he's having a hard time breathing after training. He passed out and he was taken to the hospital. So it has been canceled. And this is the first time that they're talking about booking Leon with someone else instead of trying to rebook this fight. But that also interferes with the other announcement that Dana has officially offered Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal as the coaches for the ultimate fighter, but now he's talking about Covington versus Leon Edwards as a number one contender fight. I mean, it's it's a lot of change, and obviously it's the world that we live in right now with the pandemic still very, very fully in force. Um, I mean, not... I know we're going to get to the ultimate fighter and who's going to be the coaches and who's going to be facing who now. Uh, my question is, is, you know, have either of you read any articles about, you know, is Chimaev actually been testing positive for COVID? Is it just the fact that he had it and now he's still suffering from symptoms? You know, like I, I I'm, I'm a little ignorant to I that aspect of it. I believe it's the second one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's he had it. And because he tested positive, that's why the fight yeah. was initially dropped. And I guess he just hasn't gotten over it. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, at that point, I understand as a fighter, especially someone who's kind of on the rise and wants to continue fighting, that you need to continue to train and do what you're doing. But at that point, it seems like you really need to just take a step back. You know, it, it's almost like a WWE thing where you can kind of come out of the picture for a little bit. No one's going to forget your name. And then once you come back healthy after a full camp doing your thing and you're on a card where I think Dana White and UFC would still give him a solid fighter to come back to, it would almost be like that, you know, triumphant return of like him coming back after he's fully healed and acclimated to, you know, just being healthy again. But I, I think continually training like this, you know, there's something to be said for exercise and, you know, nutrition and everything to obviously getting you back into good shape and being healthy. But if, if you're not seeing that, maybe it's time to rest and take a step back. Well, I'll tell you who I think Hamzat should fight in a minute, but first I'm going to get to Leon. Leon has a lot of options because I know Dana's trying to book him versus Covington for a number one contender fight. Covington's awfully quiet right now. I mean, Leon did call out Diaz, and Diaz basically said, who the hell are you? You're nobody. You're not even on my radar. Um, but Wonderboy has volunteered to fill in and take the spot, which would be a good fight. It'd be the three versus the five. And if you're Michael Chiesa, you're jumping on that fight too. So Wonderboy is um, one of the ones that I'm more interested in seeing go up against Usman. And I know we will get into that since that was last night. But that that's not necessarily one where I feel like maybe he's next in line. But just stylistically, since Usman is torn through the whole entire division and there's really no one that he either hasn't beat or really compares to him. And I don't want to get too much into it because, again, I know we're going to you know go off on that a little bit later. But uh, Wonderboy, I would love to see him go up against Usman. 
Uh, as per Covington going quiet, it's because, you know, is he a decent fighter? And do I have to say that because stats don't lie? Yes. Is he a piece of shit in my opinion? Of course. But, you know, his whole gimmick is gone, you know, considering the fact that his Lord Chemical and Savior. Yeah, <laughs> his, his Lord and Savior and, you know, his, his red hat gang have pretty much, you know, been forced to be quiet at least for a little bit. Leon Edwards should only take anyone from the five up at this point. He's the number three, um, at, and he hasn't fought in a while, but he's really in prime spot to potentially get a title shot. I know they sure. haven't. I, I know from yesterday they did ask Dana White about it, and Dana White said now he's got a fight. He hasn't fight. He hasn't had a fight in a long time, so he needs to get one under his belt, which I agree with. Um, if I'm Leon Edwards, I, I'm looking at. It's really got to be Wonderboy at this point. I don't think Colby's going to take it because Colby's going to try and find some star value. And unfortunately for Leon Edwards, there's there's no star value in Leon Edwards. So if Colby's going to come out, you're going to have to give him someone that has – it's going to have to be a Mazudal or a potential title shot because I don't think he's going to come out of the woodworks for, you know, even though, again, Leon Edwards is the three, I don't think he's going to come out of the woodworks for someone like that. Maybe Burns. He might go after Burns. But you are right. Covington's been on radio silence since – November, for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, I don't think that Ultimate Fighter is going to happen with them, too. I don't even know how they're going to do the Ultimate Fighter. With You're going to have to have... Although, you know what? Never mind. Scratch that. They can do The Bachelor. I think they can figure out a way to do the Ultimate <laughs> Fighter. <laughs> so, it's pretty much a similar style, only instead of group dates, they just go punch each other in the face. I would love if... And sadly, I'm aware of this, but I would love if they kind of did the Ultimate Fighter the way that they did, like that first like episode of The Bachelor, where each fighter has to like come out and kind of like prove themselves to each coach, and then like they get to kind of like pick and choose a little bit, but it's just a little bit more dramatic and done up because I, I know that like is not a, a lost you know premise on there. Get a uh, but, tank top instead of a rose. Yeah, you have to come in in your favorite dress, or you know you know talk about you know why you're the best choice for for them and why they should take you on the first date to get to know you just just add a little bit of extra drama to it since ufc is all about it more recently all right well back to your boy hamzat you want to get away that from up. that so fast i don't watch the bachelor so i have n- or bachelorette i know none of this shut your mouth you know you've watched an episode or two i have not what a lie bullshit your whole life anyway you can't even figure out your own name i'm so glad we're you can back. kiss my ass but um it's a real easy fix for chamayev it's neil magny they have bad blood. There's a story already there. And it's hard to get Neil Magny to talk bad about somebody. And Magny has already said Chemayev is the one person that he would slap on sight. Fighters say hit on sight and never hit on sight. Yeah, I don't think Magny would. He's not that kind of person. But to get that kind of reaction from Magny, it's kind of tough. Pretty sure Dustin Poirier said on sight with Colby Covington. You can't tell me they haven't been in the same room at some point. Probably not. They haven't been on the same card or anything, and Colby's camp is in Chicago now. And regardless of how much bad blood fighters have, once you get to the UFC level, or even Bellator, any production where you're getting paid to fight, it becomes the aspect of, yeah, you can be as mad as you want you know, towards somebody and have the feelings that you do, but no professional or semi-professional athlete is going to 
do what they do for free. It doesn't matter if you're mm. if you're if you, no, no, no. Depends no. on how dumb and gangster you are. Look at what uh, Masvidal did to Leon Edwards backstage. Yeah, I mean, we can say the same stuff about Connor with the trolley, you know, yeah, to I was a bus window, do that, but, but yeah. <laughs> but no, but I mean like realistically, the majority of them, you know, if you're getting paid to fight and then yes, you see somebody who you're not, you know, favorable towards, you're not going to necessarily do something in that moment where you could get the card and get paid to do the same exact thing. It's just a dumb move. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's one sport where you can actually physically go in and punch the guy and get paid to punch the guy in the face who you've had a problem with. Yeah, it's different if, like, you're a hockey enforcer or something like that, and then you're just like, all right, like, next time I'm on the ice, I'm taking him out. Like, yeah, you might not get that opportunity, you know, where, you know, hell, it's off season and you see him, you know, at a bar and you're in their territory. It's like, oh, why don't I take a swing? You know, I'll take the fine or, you know, whatever comes with it. But yeah, you literally can get paid to do the thing you want to do. Just wait till you get paid to do it. Or you're just dumb like Mike Perry. Mike Perry's a freaking mess. That that we we're gonna need a full hour just to talk about him one day. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I feel like we should though. Good on anything, Mike Perry. <laughs> right, I love that level on. of stupid is special. But all right, we have a lot to cover, not only from last night, but a bunch of the stuff we missed. So we're not unfortunately we're not gonna break everything down like we normally do. But we're going to do our best to get the, to the big ones and some of the stuff we missed. So we're going to start off yesterday with, um, what was that, UFC 258 yesterday? Yeah, 258. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to start off with Ian Heinish versus Kelvin Gastelum. Sean, why don't you go first on this one? Yeah, all that fight really did was show the, the class of what is supposed to be when you see a 15 fight in eight. I mean, uh, Gastelum showed class and experience that I don't think, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name. Heinish, 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 mm-hmm. whatever it is, Heine, Heinish. Uh, it just uh, Gaslam outclassed him. He outclassed him on the feet. He outclassed him by his wrestling. I mean, Heinish's whole big thing was, I'm going to take him in. I'm going to get in his face. I'm going to wrestle him, which lasted all of the first 35 seconds of the fight. And then Gaslam pretty much took over and out wrestled him for the entirety of the fight. Um, Gaslam, I, I want to say he kind of played it safe because he needed to win. He was on a three fight skid, so he definitely played it safe in that fight. He took him down held him down as far as entertainment-wise. It wasn't a crazy entertaining fight, but it was a solid win for Gesslem, though, across the board. Yeah, absolutely agree with that 100%. Uh, he he was definitely safe. Uh, it wasn't as entertaining as some prior fights that we've seen with him, but like you said, he needed it. He needed that win desperately, and uh, that was what we were you know discussing right before it happened as well. Uh, we were just making our picks for the night was he – sincerely just needed that win more and yeah I, I i wish we saw a little bit more from him i wish it was a little bit more entertaining but at the end of the day that's that's not what this sport is necessarily about do we wish every single fight in the octagon is going to be you know one for the records of course you know one where we're screaming at the tv or saying holy shit i can't believe that just happened absolutely but you know, these are guys who have these contracts, who need to win, who need to do what's best for them, and he listened to his corner. And that's the that's one of my favorite parts about the pandemic UFC is the fact that we can hear the cornerman coaching, and it's so amazing if you've ever been in, you know, any type of mixed martial arts or wrestling or any aspect. You know, it's just hearing it and then immediately seeing within the next couple of seconds or within 30 seconds just to see – them implement what their coaches are doing, you 
finally get to realize how important the coaches on the sideline are. And he did exactly that. He listens to he listened to his coaches. He implemented well, and he went in there. He got the W that he desperately needed. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam is as elite as they come. My biggest problem with Gaslam is there's no discipline. Like, that guy could be a monster in three weight classes if he would just get his shit together and be disciplined. Because they say he has enough, like, body fat to get down to 55. But I'm not even saying he should be down to 55. Like, 170 is where he came in and where he should be. And he'd be a monster. But, and I know he was before this fight, he was on a three-fight skid. But we go back to this. It's not that you lost, it's who you lost to. Yep. Like, he was one fight away, or one round away from winning the interim championship. But Adesanya was able to pull it out. Then he lost to Darren Till, and then he got caught by Jack Hermanson. Yeah. So it's not like he's losing to scrubs. He is as elite as he comes, and this win puts him right back on track to a top-five fight. Absolutely. Because he's still that guy. So, And looking at the rankings, like most of the guys are booked or tr- about to be booked. So there's only really one person in the top ten that's really there for him, and that's Jared Cannonier. Yeah, it, it makes sense, and uh, I would hope that one would wind up being just a little bit more exciting, I think, from, from both fighters. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a, the obvious next choice. I like it. Um, actually, I really would, would pick if I would pick Gaslam in that fight for the most part. I think Gaslam's got the better gas tank. The wrestling and striking are kind of comparable, and even though, like you said, he does lack discipline, I mean, the dude never really... Like, Gaslam's gas tank has never really been a question or a problem. I mean, he looks fat when he gets in the octagon. I said it to Rob <laughs> yesterday when we were watching it. Like, Kelvin Gaslam rocks the same body style I do, which gives me a little bit of hope as far as athleticism-wise. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, easy back there. But, I mean, the dude rocks a dad bod and comes out and kicks the hell out of all these people. So, Gaslam's got my pick just for that reason. Yeah, all I could think about was how earlier in the night we had a fighter with the uh, ring name of Fluffy, and then as soon as Gasolum came out and took his shirt off, I was just like, "Oh no, that's wrong, Fluffy! The, <laughs> that, that's that, that's your nickname. Like you earned that one." Uh, Fluffy would be uh, would give me hope that maybe I could get in there one day. That's way way more up my alley. Big country. Ooh. <laughs> But no. <laughs> as for Ian Heinish, you know, it's his first real dip into the uh, waters of the top 15, the ranked guys. It's a good lesson for him. He's still fairly new to the organization, and he's going to bounce back. As for him, I would say um, Sam Alvey, because he's dropping back down to middleweight for his next fight, and he was in the top, like the very back end of the top 10 at some point. So I'm sure that would be a good test, because both of those guys would stand and throw. Well, Heinish is what, the 15? Yeah. So if you're looking at the the rankings, I would give him anyone. Basically, I would give him anyone from 11 back. So um, Chris Weidman? Oh, he's already booked to fight Hall. So if you go anyone from the 11 back, um, unfortunately, I don't have the rankings in front of me right now, but you go anyone from the 11 back, I, w- I would take that. Uh, that way he doesn't drop out of the 15. He doesn't necessarily risk his spot out of the top 15, and he's still getting necessary experience of fighting top-ranked fighters without fighting – a guy who's one fight, one round away from the belt. That's so, fair. Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on to the co-main event, the return of Macy Barber against Alexa Grasso. Um, Grasso, this was her second fight in the uh, flyweight division, moving up from featherweight. And for those first two rounds, she put on a clinic. 
She dominated Macy Barber in every sense of the word, in every sense of the game. And then Macy Barber came out in the third like a bat out of hell and took it to her, but it wasn't enough for her to put her away and get the win. Yeah, and I think with, I mean, well, I should say, first of all, I was very surprised at the odds on that one to see that Grasso was immediately put as the favorite. Uh, and now it, it was close, but just to see the hype that Barber was kind of coming back with and there was that hype, and usually with that hype comes the favorite and the odds, and uh, no, not at all, and rightfully so. Because like you said, the first two rounds, um, and I think the lack of weight cut that she had to do ultimately was the best decision that her and her camp could have made for her. Uh, whoever made that decision, whether it was for herself or if her team made that and said, look, we think you know you need to go up to this weight class, regardless, she looked bigger. Her back was super broad, like her her arms looked more defined, and she she just went in there, and we knew that she could strike. That was never a question, but just being healthier and having the cardio to just go and go and go, and she was smart. She was timing everything. Macy Barber was shadow boxing in the middle of the ring, like three feet away from her, like throwing these punches as if they were going to land, and... Ross is basically just staring her in the face, just like, all right, wear yourself out, get tired, like do, do your thing. And then when Barbara would kind of get a little close, she'd have the best reflexes I've seen from a lot of female fighters dip out of there, land two or three shots back off. And it was just strategic. She put on, like you said, a clinic for those first two rounds until Barbara decided, all right. I have to win by knockout or submission. I've got to finish this in the third. And she still wasn't able to do it. Grasso, incredible fight through and through. Uh, I'm very excited to see what she does. So I think the problem with Barber right now is Barber bought into her own hype. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and look, I, I was I, I liked Barber coming up. I thought the UFC was doing her right. They sure. were putting her on the back end of the 15. They were giving her back into the 15s, almost correcting the mistakes they made with guys like Sage Northcutt. Um, Paige Van Zant and, and a couple others. But with Barber, I, I think putting her at the top 10, I mean, it is a weak division. We say it all the one time. The 125 yeah. is one of the weakest divisions, if not the weakest division in the UFC. Um, but I think this loss, I thought the last loss would have been crucial for her, especially losing to Mount, uh, Roxanne. But this loss really should have solidified. I don't know what camp she's out of. But maybe it's time to change your camp. Maybe it's time to get something going because your striking was, her striking was heavily sloppy, and she relies on being a bully, getting you up against the clinch. If you watch most of her fights, it, her wins come from being able to bully you against the cage and finish you with strikes. Grasso, there, at no point was she able to bully Grasso. No. None. And Grasso literally showed nothing more than experience in bullying Macy Barber and abusing her. It looked like a seasoned vet against an up-and-comer. That's honestly what that whole fight looked like. All right. So looking at the landscape now, I was thinking, because they're probably going to swap places. Barber's going to go to the 15. Grasso's going to go to the 10. So I would say a good step up for Grasso. I know she's coming off a loss, but I believe she's the 7 or 8 right now. would be Jessica I. And I think for Macy Barber, the other Shevchenko, Antonina Shevchenko, who I believe is like the 12 or 13, would be the step to go for her. That's where I think Barbara's going to land. I don't think she's dropping all the way back to 15, but she's going to land somewhere roughly around that 12 to 13. Um, yeah, for Grasso, 
I mean, Grasso could almost jump into the top five. I know she's not going to from this fight, but if you're Grasso, you're looking at top five. because this. Well, I think the top five, for the most part, other than Chukagian, is probably booked because I believe they're doing Andraj versus Shevchenko, and they're going to put Murphy against uh, JoJo. Well, I've seen Murphy's trying to push for Chuchagin because she wants the rematch and winner of that gets your number one shot. So if I'm Lauren Murphy, I'm not even looking to fight JoJo. I mean, dude, there's a perfect name. Grasso can go in there against JoJo. Why not? That pushes her. I think JoJo sits around the six or seven, roughly. That'll push her up into, and I mean, in reality, you're almost, if you win three fights in this division, you're title bound. JoJo's six. She's the six, so yeah. They're putting the rankings up for everybody. Oh, nice. Thank you. Yeah, I, so, I, I fully agree, and that, that's the actual, like, as soon as you said I'd, I was like, all right, yeah, I mean, it makes sense in terms of, like, baby steps, but if Grasso can get a match with JoJo, win that. I, I don't think it's too crazy after what we saw last night to say, all right, if she can win against JoJo, put her in a, a title contention match or put her, put her up for the title. I'm fine with it. That performance last night was so incredible from her that if she can do that against somebody even close to the top five, so if we're talking JoJo, who's you know six, then and has the name, if she can go in there and strike the way she did, keep her composure and be you know just calm, cool, and collective, and just really just run that whole entire fight against somebody like JoJo, uh, I not not crazy at all. Give give her a belt opportunity. Plus, by that point, Shevchenko might have run through the entire division anyway. So. Yeah, so she's going to need somebody new that she, you know, hasn't fought before. So, Well, I know they're talking about the winner of Rose versus Wei Li versus Shevchenko after Shevchenko defends against Andrade. So there's some options for See, I don't think Rose should get it. No. I, and now, if Wei Li wins, you can send Wei Li up. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Rose should. Rose does. I, what does Rose have? One title defense? I don't think she has any title defenses. Why does she earn a shot to go up and try and take on another title challenger? Name. Yeah, I was about to say because she because she's not that big a name, dude. I mean, half of her name came from the stuff with McGregor too. So I mean, it was more of sympathy than it was anything well, two else. wins over arguably one of the best female fighters of all time in Joanna helps too. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying she doesn't. I'm not saying she's not a great fighter or competitive wise. Yeah. But this goes on to another rant that I've probably had on three episodes now. Is I, I don't understand if you just win a belt and you have zero defenses, why you get to jump the line and go fight another title. Because they're trying to make their money back. If it was the Fertitta brothers, they'd probably stick to the same old formula and go with the uh, competitive nature. But since they've sold it, it's all been about it's been all about money. Yeah, and that's not going to do. And sorry to cut you off, Rob, but like you're getting two. I, I'm not saying that two women fighters can't sell because we've seen them all. We've seen them all sell too much, like boxing, but. I don't think you're going to get a major... If they throw that on pay-per-view, I don't think you're going to get major pay-per-view buys from Rose against Shevchenko at 25. I just don't see it. Like, even if you're campaigning champion versus champion, the numbers don't even... That would have to be a co-main event at best to get anything but good behind it. And it's it's what we brought up earlier as well with, you know, Bellator doing this bracket or the Grand Prix, you know, actually definitively saying like, all right, well, you won this, you won this, you won this. Here is your ranking, you know, based off of this, instead of the fact that, like we've talked about many times before, like Jorge Masvidal being a ranked fighter, when has he really done enough to earn the rank that he has? Absolutely not. So, you know, that that's where it comes into, you know, the big differences between like UFC and Bellator is, you know, if you've made enough of a name for yourself on social media or in press conferences 
and just media in general, then you might be a higher ranked fighter because you won a fight or two, even if it's not necessarily against somebody of substance. Now, again, Rose isn't necessarily someone who hasn't done anything, but I agree with Sean in the sense that I don't think she's done enough to just walk back into title contention just because she's Rose. Like you shaved your head and you beat JoJo twice. All right. But what else happened after that? Nothing. Beat Andrade. Questionably beat Andrade. Uh, yeah, questionably. Questionably beat I mean, Andrade. a win's a win. There's that was that was a close one. It could have won either way, but the judges gave it to Rose. Yeah, and but we we've, we've talked about this all before. When it's like who you beat, how you beat them, how you are in the media, like all of these things matter to UFC compared to other fight organizations. So if we're going to say like, oh, she beat Andrade, that's of course an achievement, and like, yes, a W is a W, but. Again, it's that fight was arguable. So if anything, that's where they need to go back to. Well, Andrade jumped up to a division. She's up in flyweight now. Yeah, and oh, she well. went up there and shot. won. She won her way to the belt, though. Andrade has the. You know what's great? You can say she beat Andrade, but Andrade and Rose have the same amount of title defenses. Yep, yep. But uh, moving on, we gotta get, we gotta keep moving. On. We got a lot to cover. Um, to the main event. Oops, Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. Now this was a fun one and a lot of drama. Because Kamara Usman had to leave camps because there was a basically a line down the middle of the camp on whose side they were on, Kamaru's or <laughs> or Gilbert Burns. So Kamaru decided to leave and went to Denver to Trevor Whitman's camp, which has guys like Justin Gaethje, Rose, mm-hmm. Curtis Blades. So we had a good camp. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Burns has a good camp, too. He had guys like Michael Chandler in there. He has Robbie Lawler. He has, you know, there are plenty of good guys for them both to train with. And this fight, Gilbert Burns was one of the few guys who I thought had a chance to possibly dethrone Usman. And in the first round, he had a shot. He, he hurt him, and he hurt him bad. But Usman was able to recover, come back out, and flip things around. In the second round, he had him hurt. Yeah, I mean, And Gilbert was never able to recover, and Usman eventually put him away in the third. I mean, I, I happened to, you know, realize... Uh, halfway through the main card that I did not do any betting. So I, I didn't realize I already had some funds left in FanDuel. And uh, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll take the risk. And I just went with Burns and it didn't work out. But I'll tell you, for the first like two minutes of round one, I was like, oh, I'm making money. I'm making money. <laughs> like, Usman looked rocked hard and then when he hit the fence on that one and kind of like sprung off of it, I think we all like looked at one another and were just like, whoa. Uh, this this might be over early, and it it wasn't as soon as soon as that happened. I think that was kind of like a Forrest Griffin moment when um, Usman kind of got knocked a little bit and then earned the respect. And not to say that he didn't already, because of course they were very close and training partners and everything. But I think in that moment he kind of earned the respect and was just like, okay, nope, I've I've I can't come out as cocky as I was with this. And after that, it was. It was over. It, it, it took a little bit, but, man, it, it was over. I wish you would have texted me because our friends over at Steady Picks, their only three-unit play was Usman to win that fight. And luckily, I was able to cash in on that. So thank you to the Nigerian Nightmare. <laughs> yeah, so I also made money off the Nigerian Nightmare. So thank you for Usman. But on the other side, you know what I kind of didn't like is that Usman was the one who had to leave. I feel like if you're the champion and you're both in the same camp, like, yeah, challenger, you're out. I understand the whole line thing, personal, blah, 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 but I'm just saying I feel like the champ has the right 
stay where he's at, and the challenger should be the one to bounce. But anyway, I, I, I would agree with you, and I do agree with you, but the thing that helped with Usman's decision it was his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, mm-hmm. because he had Usman fly out to Denver before yep. to help Gaethje train for Tony Ferguson and Habib, so he already had an in there. The other thing is that if you're the champion, and especially in a case like Usman where – I mean, you guys can speak this better than I can because I don't know really his whole story coming into this, but he obviously had something in his mind about him not being respected. You don't want to give Burns that out once you beat him. If you make him leave the camp, then he comes back and says, oh, I had to adjust this and I had to do that. It's all the more impressive for Usman. He said, fine, you you keep this. I'll go figure out my own way because I'm that good. And I don't want to hear it from you after the fact that that you had to give this up. So not only did he give up his camp, then he still went in, took the best shot Burns had, and still put him down with that jab. Well, Usman says he has to make every fight personal. Everything you say can and will be used against you in that octagon. I love it. And that's that's one of the best things about this is because obviously after the fight was done, they had that embrace and you saw that friendship and that long, long time friendship that they had and the respect that they had for one another. But Usman had to go in there and play the mind games, which I will say I don't think really played that big of a part no. in the fight because Gilbert Burns just, you know, he, he, he stayed in there and he was doing everything he can. But... The mind games, the fact that I think the mind games were more so for Usman than anything else. Like you said, he always says he has to make it personal. He can't go in there thinking of you as a friend or having any respect for you. He has to go into a fight and look across the octagon at someone and say, I fucking hate you, and that's the reason I'm going to knock your fucking skull off. Like, And then to watch him do it to switch from orthodox to southpaw, to use that jab in both stances, to throw off burns and be able to say, like, all right, well, like you know this jab is coming, but it's coming from the left. Well, now it's a cross because I switched stances. Oh, no, now I'm going to throw the right, and that right is just as heavy as a jab, and it's going to lay you out. It, I mean, the, the guy is one of the best fighters out there right now. And I, I didn't want to jump ahead earlier, Rob, but you were uh, talking earlier about how important coaching is. And that was oh, the yeah. big thing in this fight was you heard Usman's corner just, your jab is your like your jab is disgusting. Your mm-hmm. jab is your strength. And he wasn't too keen on it in that first round. Granted, I don't know if he had that many opportunities. Uh, but, you know, his corner just kept hammering, your jab, your jab, your jab. And that's what we saw win him the fight, which yep. was huge. But the other thing I wanted to talk about as far as you know, Usman needing to hate the guy across from him and the mind games and everything, especially in a sport like UFC. The un- and I don't want to, I won't take too much time on this, but one of the unfortunate things is this whole toxic masculinity thing where once a guy starts crying, it gets blown up. And obviously, me coming from the basketball side, there's been a lot of heat for when Joel Embiid cried after they lost to the Raptors in that tough game seven with that ridiculous Kawhi shot. But of course, I saw a bunch of people giving Burns shit for crying after this fight. And I think that speaks to it, it has nothing to do with the crying. I think that speaks to what you're talking about, where these guys have to like flip a switch and like turn on this different side of them where like nothing else matters but kicking the shit out of this guy, winning this fight. And once it's over, like the entire wall of defense comes down. Yep. And I think that's one of those things you see is that Burns had to put up this whole, like, you know, I'm going to fuck with him and I want to knock him out and I don't care that we have a, a pass. But as soon as the fight's over and you shut that down, like, the entire wave you've been holding back just comes in. So, like, that's how you know that's a real thing is that reaction. It's not a like, oh, that guy lost and he's crying. It's like, dude, do you know how, like, how much of a wall he's had up for so long and he finally just got to let it down and unfortunately, you know, it didn't go his way? Yeah, I mean, there there was times and I'm, like – you know, this was 
decades ago at this point, but our intro music to this specific podcast, In the Presence of Wolves, uh, the reason I know their lead guitarist, Chris Capitanio, was because I grew up doing Kempo Karate uh, with him for years, I think about eight years, and we started pretty much within like a week or two of each other, of each other. We lived like four blocks away from each other. So we, we were raised through martial arts and we were the two youngest to start out in that dojo. So any competition that wasn't like a regional thing when it came to age group, weight class, things like that, by the end of it, it was always me versus him. And there was times he got the better of me or vice versa, but like, yeah, you have to go in there. And even at that age, like when we were like 11, 12, 13 years old, like you were, you were kind of having like one sensei on each side, like tell you like, Hey, I know you guys are literally best friends, but you have to go in there and do what you need to do in order to, to capitalize here. And yeah, afterwards, you know, maybe you don't get as emotional as these two did, but you have like the, um, Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz, you know, and they, all the shit talking, the water bottle throwing, all of the drama between all of that. As soon as those fights were done, you know, for the most part, especially the second one, you know, there there was hugging, you know, and, you know, fuck the toxic masculinity side of it. Like, these guys are going in and doing, you know, the most brutal thing that you can, you know, going in and being paid to physically assault another human being to the point where you capitalize and win, and then, you know, afterwards, who, who cares what it's about? You know, you can't take away from that. Yeah, they, they both uh, put it all on the line and it showed. Absolutely. But so right now, I would say for Burns, a good spot for him next because he's probably going to end up at like the three. Yeah. Um, would either be Wonderboy or Michael Chiesa. One of those two would probably be, be his next fight. So what I was saying earlier, I would love to see then if that's where your mind is, I would love to see Wonderboy come up, fight Burns, preferably because of what I said earlier in the episode, uh, win and then have Usman versus Wonderboy. Just because stylistically, I think that matchup would just be fun. Fun to watch. I think it would be exciting. Uh, Unfortunately, I do Mm. think that uh, Usman would still demolish probably within two to three rounds. But I think that Wonderboy's style uh, would just be something interesting to watch against Usman. I think Usman would just take him down and beat on him. Um, but yeah. for Usman right now, the problem for Usman right now is there are no real contenders. Like, there's nobody that stands out that this guy is next. None. So Usman made two call-outs. One, it's not going to happen. He called out GSP. Not going to happen. Soft. Um, the other one might happen because, again, everything you can, everything you say can and will be used against you. And it was in the court of Dana cop. White. Yeah, it was Jorge Republican. <laughs> Paul Ryan, the police officer. It was Jorge Masvidal because Masvidal in recent weeks have said about Usman. I took the fight against you on six days notice and I took your nose. Give me three weeks. I take the belt. Give me a full camp. I take your head. So Usman has taken that a little personally and coming at him. Now, Masvidal is offering to and I know Dana White already said no to it. But Masvidal says, hey, you want to fight? Let's fight, but let's get that extra cash and coach the ultimate fighter, too. Dude, first off, GSP, can, can we, like, backtrack a little bit to the fact that GSP is never going to take that fight? And and the only reason this is even going to go on a somewhat of a rant is 
I feel like if there was a weaker champion at 170, GSP would have been all over it and jumped back at it. However, Usman's most likely going to take over the reign as the best welterweight of all time uh, at this point, unless barring, you know, major collapse somewhere along the line. But there's no one left. He, he's going to embarrass Masvidal again. I think Masvidal would get embarrassed by Colby, um, unfortunately. Yeah, the only two guys who I think of the division who could po- possibly beat Usman are Colby and Burns. Yeah, and he embarrassed Burns. I mean, look, dude, Burns get hit him with he he landed a nice early shot in round one, and then Usman literally kicked him in the ass yeah. for the last three minutes of that round. He had him on the ground, he didn't let him up, and he physically kicked him in the ass. Can you guys speak to that a little bit more? Because that's the first time I, I usually, if a guy goes down like that, I feel like most of the time they let them up or sometimes they engage in the grappling. This is the first time I really saw somebody try and control that position, which I understand, one, because he almost got knocked the fuck out, so he's mainly resting. But I've never seen anybody really attack that position that much. Is well, that like- the only other one you could really go back to would be Cowboy against Miles Jury because Jury oh, beat his teammate bring Cowboy and Cowboy said they were his fuck you kicks. So he just kicked him while he was on the ground. But for Usman, like you said, that was just him keeping Gilbert there so he could clear the cobwebs. And, and still, for the most part, I think winning the round because when you go back and I think look at the significant strikes as well, every heavy kick that he landed to Burns' legs was counted as a significant strike. Yeah, and they made it a point in the broadcast because at first you saw Burns was kind of like, I don't care that you're doing this. And then you saw him try to get up once and go back down. And you're like, okay, he doesn't like this anymore. Like yeah. Now it hurts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because at that point, um, I, I brought up last night when – uh, the the few Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes I did, but I remember specifically the first one, that was one of, like, after the warm-up, that was the first thing they did. They're like, all right, backs. And we got on our backs, and they're like, all right, kicks. And I just started doing, like, bicycle kicks. They're like, no, you got to move your hips and, like, go side to side. And I'm like, I don't like this. This, like, makes me feel uncomfortable, like, not, like, physically. It's like exhausting. You know, yeah, not only was it exhausting, but, like, also, just like it felt weird, and I felt like just like a baby on my back, just being like, "Nah, like what you gonna?" And like, like so, not only is he wasting cardio, then he's literally getting kicked in the ass, and then you're losing the fight because he's getting significant strikes while kicking you in your ass. Like at that point, yeah, like you have to make the move to stand up, do something. But like, yeah, I I, I love the fact that we all called that out last night as well when they were just like, "All right, yeah, he doesn't like this anymore." Like, he thought he was resting, and now it's getting to a point where he's like, okay, please stand me up. All right. Well, there is a fight event this weekend. Um, It's not a great card, and I know we go through that, but the one fight we do got to talk about real quick is the main event, Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. I know a lot of us don't really want to get into too much deep of it because I believe we all think Curtis Blades is going to win. He's going to take Derek Lewis down and beat on him for five rounds. Derek Lois does have knockout power and has a shot to clip him, but that's it. Um, that's it. I think it's going to be Derek or not Derek <laughs> Curtis Blades all day. Yeah, no. Lewis has uh, the the puncher's chance in uh, this this fight, uh, and the the only reason I really want to see him win is strictly just because of whatever that post fight interview is going to be. Because you know he he's pretty classic for those, of course. That you know most My memorable balls was one. Hot. Yep, the most memorable one being taken off. <laughs> Derek, why'd you take off your shorts? My balls was hot. <laughs> oh, he's had a couple of good liners. Oh, he has. Yeah. That's Donald why Trump I called to me and told me I had to knock that Russian out. Yeah. Where's Rhonda's fine ass at? And tell my wife I'm coming in deep tonight. Yeah, he's. He, it's that's why I want to see him win. 
That's really it. I don't care otherwise. Uh, but, yeah, he has a puncher's chance, and that, that's really about I just, it for this fight. I just feel bad for Curtis Blades because he's getting the shaft because he's Regardless of how much he's winning and he's right Crazy. in line for a title fight, he's going to have to wait behind Francis Ngannou and Stipe. And then he's going to have to wait for that winner of that to fight John Jones. So I kind of feel bad for Blades, but it is what it is. So moving on to some of the stuff we missed. First, uh, from what Sean said back when we talked about this fight, B. Gray Tony, <laughs> Charles Oliveira completely destroying Tony Ferguson. Yeah, he embarrassed him. Absolutely. Uh, uh, look. I'm I'm super impressed by what Oliveira did. I'm still a major fan of Tony Ferguson and his champ shit only brand that he's been pushing. Um, but Oliveira came out and just dominated him wrestling wise in a way that kind of makes me believe that if that it, honestly what it showed, unless before Gaethje he was a much different fighter because I think Gaethje might have broke him to be honest with you, unfortunately. But it showed Khabib. It showed won. Khabib, but it just took him down to the same thing. Now Khabib obviously doesn't have the jujitsu. Uh, pedigree that Oliveira has, but he obviously has a much stronger wrestling pedigree than Oliveira has. Definitely. So, um, Oliveira wanted no part of the stand up, and I don't blame him because I do think if it would have stayed standing, it might have taken. Look, it was standing for a good bit. And he was picking him apart on right, the Paul, feet. Give me fr- freaking six seconds, Donald. All right, like I was going to get there. <laughs> Jesus, are we back at the debate? Where? Come on, God. you're crying. Just keep so going. anyway, I can't wait for a couple minutes when you have to say three beautiful words. <laughs> so, um. I think if it would have stayed standing, as I was trying to allude to before Paul obviously rudely interrupted because I was going to go against whatever point he was going to make, um, I think Tony would have eventually found the range, picked him apart, probably from rounds two to three on. But Oliveira established that wrestling so dominantly early on that Tony was worried about so much going on. That's why Oliveira was able to eventually start winning in the stand-up. And I think he broke his arm. I don't think it ever came out, but that arm bar was so deep at the end of the first round. I got to assume if he didn't break his arm, he damaged some sort of ligaments in that elbow. Like, he definitely did some damage there. All right, so what's next for Oliveira? Oliveira should be fighting for the title. We'll get to who he should be fighting for the title later. He's on an eight-fight win streak. Um, He beat the guy who everybody thought was the guy other than Khabib. Like, a lot of people are trying to shit on him saying, what has he done, but... He's won eight in a row and has the most submissions in UFC history. Yep. It's kind of hard to deny him at this point. Um, as for Tony Ferguson, the next logical fight for him, in my opinion, I know he's been calling out Nate Diaz, but it's Dan Hooker. No, I agree with you. And I don't know why Nate Diaz is even still a thing. Yeah, yeah. he's like, just he's just a name that everybody's trying to get. He's a household name. That's what I don't get. Like The dude is a 500 fighter. His only claim to fame is beating Connor once and then losing to him. And then after that... What, he beat Pettis and then got destroyed by Masvidal? Yep, He's pretty much. He's in his last four fights, and this guy's out here picking who, pick, trying to pick and choose who he wants to fight. He gets that special treatment now because he's on that uh, popularity level, kind of like Connor. Yeah, but he sucks. It's what, it's what I brought up earlier. It's all, it's all about, you know, in, in terms of US, UFC especially, you, you have to have the, the total package in order for Dana to care about you more and as soon as you have that and your media game is strong your social media is strong you've you've won a couple fights you know and you have like one household name under your belt then you can be a a top five or at least a top 10 you know fighter just because of all of that when there's clearly people that should be above you so we 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 can't keep getting into that because he's ranked like 13 now in like the welterweight division and he's calling out top ranked lightweights to come up to welterweight and fight him yeah, he's called it out Dustin no Poirier sense. and Charles Oliveira. But, but I do agree with you that 
Tony should fight Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker. They mm-hmm. should kind of solidify that who is the number five because I think Dan Hooker dropped back to six or seven, and Tony's right at the five, I think, now. Uh, Tony is five, Connor six, Hooker is actually, I think, eight at this point, and RDA is seven. So That is correct. Yeah, so at that point, you're pretty much solidifying who your number five is. Um, and, and because the lightweight division is what it is, you almost honestly, if you're not going to strap a belt on it, which they should throw an intern belt yep. on that at this point. And I, honestly, I have been the one who have been habitually against intern belts. But if you're going to hold up a division like this, the way that they are, there should be an intern title fight in the near future. And it's all Dana White, but we'll get to that later. But we're going to go to the main event of that fight, which was arguably the second best fight of the year in Brandon Moreno versus Davidson Figueredo. Oh my God! The so only good. reason it. There's going to be a rematch because it wound up in a majority draw because Davidson Figueredo got a point taken away. Mm-hmm. That fight could have went either way, even with the point taken away. I could have seen them still giving it to Figueredo or going to Moreno. I think the draw was the best case scenario case scenario and yeah. outcome because now we're going to get that immediate rematch. And like I said, second best fight of the year behind Yoana Young-Jacek and Zhang Weili. Um. I thought Figueroa won the fight, to be honest with you. I thought he won that fight three rounds to two. Even, well, with the point taken out, obviously, it changed everything. But I I thought he had the fight. Um, Figueroa is going to be another fighter. It looks like he's going to be the next Demetrius Johnson in the sense that no one's going to be able to take that belt from him. I know Moreno fought him to a majority draw, but in the second fight, I can't see it being a majority draw. I think Moreno's going to get maybe not finished, but, I mean, he took bombs that I can't picture a fighter being able to take that kind of abuse too much longer. Figueroa landed bombs on him. Especially because of the quick turnaround, too. Yeah, all the I 21 mean, days yeah, notice. Yeah, I mean, and that that has to obviously play a big part into it. So uh, I think Figueroa has it. I love the Demetrius Johnson call-out as well and the comparison there. Uh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, yeah, I, I think he is going to just keep that belt until he decides that it's, it's time to give it up. You know, I... I think he's holding on to that thing for life. All right, we're going to jump into the next one, the event that happened after that. We're going to go with Chito Vera against the legend Jose Aldo. That one was a very competitive fight. I will give Chito Vera all the credit in the world. He did win the first round when he landed that takedown, but after that, Aldo took control and picked him apart. I mean, Chito Vera landed his shots, he hung in there. He had a hell of a fight, but it was clear after rounds two and three that it was all Aldo. Yeah, I right, you were struggling a little bit on that. <laughs> two glasses of scotch, and you're starting to, nah. starting to get struggle. Well, my we, my thought process was kind of rambling together, <laughs> and I had the, to stop myself. The minute he opened the box, it was buzzed. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, when you're, when you're used to only taking one shot of Jameson every couple of weeks when you hang with me and Dan, yeah, I mean, uh, two. Well, he took two, mine two, too. I know. That's what I'm saying. Two two pours of a good scotch is gonna, you know, get you get you a little. Uh, I wanted to there. put it on the table because I didn't feel like holding it anymore. And I looked over at some point, and it was just gone. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, Paul. Sunday fun. Day, baby. Yeah. I mean, if you had to spend Valentine's Day alone for like the 18th year in a row, you'd probably <laughs> oh. drink a little more too. Yeah. Oh, be 100% on. fair. This is... for that. And, and the hub will definitely help you at some point. 
We yeah. are not sponsored yet. <laughs> yeah, That's why and, I didn't add the first part of it. And, and then they they have that nice courtesy of like every holiday, including like President's Day tomorrow, like where it's like at the top, like you click on the link, and then it's just like, oh, I'm pretty sure Brazzers is free at least today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you click you click on that. And it's like here's here's all the Paul Valentine's Ryan, Day esque videos. So uh, yeah, you know, just get Dude, into yeah, it. And especially if you're going to use any of these apps or logins, I mean, you have a pseudonym because you can use Paul Hardy and no one's going to know. That you're <laughs> it's it's not going to come back to the brand whatsoever. <laughs> all right. Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna move on from this. Oh, uh, oh. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. Can your I do one? Your face is as red as your hoodie. I'm so glad. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Can we do one thing though? Because I was going to save this for when he has to talk. Talk about uh, McGregor Poirier, but three, actually picked words. up some tissues tissues for you. Um, so oh. I figured that they might come in handy more now that we're talking about Pornhub now and you on Valentine's Day. Now a little Day. bit of lotion, you're set for the night, buddy. <laughs> you are good to go. I just want to make sure. Don't you're taken you do care it? Of. He's about to got throw you, a big. Got you backed up too, <laughs> you motherfuckers. Anyway. So, for Cheeto Vera. He might have been medicated, too. Even better. If Sean O'Malley wins <laughs> his next fight against Thomas Almeida, I can see them running that back. Honestly, I don't even know what we're talking about at this point. Because I said, what's, <laughs> I, I, I put us back on subject, damn it. I said, what's next for Chito Vera could possibly be the winner of Sugar Sean and Thomas O'Malley. So you might be getting oh, a rematch. You mean right-handed or left-handed kind of guy? <laughs> we're moving on from that. Do you go orthodox or southpaw? I just want to know. <laughs> Ambidestric. No way you're that good. <laughs> How would you know? No, I'm uh, – all right, all right, all right, all right. I, 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 I am I am genuinely all for the rematch. That that's what I'm pulling for. I don't think Sean O'Malley will honestly take it because I think he, in his mind he still feels that he somehow didn't lose that fight. So for Sean, he'll look at it as a step back. Unfortunately. Um, all right. So how about yeah. like Ricky Simone who won yesterday but at featherweight? Yeah, but with the way he was talking after the interview, it sounds like he might stay up there. Yeah, I think he is. Um, so it, it's one of them like. So it's kind of a wait and see. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if if you're Vera, you're probably looking at someone on like from again probably from eleven back at this point, just so you can keep your name in the in the books and keep going. Um, for Aldo, I think he just got signed for he did get signed. He's fighting Garbrandt. Yes. Yeah. I didn't see that he got signed. I saw they were still talking about it, and I saw they were still in talks for possibly Dillashaw. Now Dillashaw, I think I, I know they on, moved that. They're talking about Dillashaw uh, Faber now. Yeah, well, I seen that on the one that you posted, and then I seen it again. So usually, if there's two, so, you know, if there's if there's smoke, there's fire in that sense. If two sources are reporting it, then it's probably so. Yeah. We're going to see Jose Aldo versus Cody Garbrandt and Dillashaw versus Faber. All right, I can dig it. To, yeah. to to be fair, I only read like the the article title, like you know, like most like old white boomer Republicans on Facebook. So like oh. I, I I I didn't go deep in it, but I I did see you know that it was signed. I thought. So, but either way, like you said, where where there's smoke, there's fire. So, I mean, I, and that's that's a good matchup as well. You know, that that's that's two names going head to head, and I, I think it's I think it's good for both of them, and I think that there's a lot of momentum for either fighter at that point, where whoever wins that fight is really going to have something, you know, coming for them afterwards. So, you know, that that seems like a perfect matchup. I don't see why UFC wouldn't follow through with that. See what I don't li- I don't like now is that. I think Garbrandt's going to beat Aldo. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, I hate the thought that Aldo's going to lose to a guy like Garbrandt because if this was Aldo of even five years ago and this fight was even presented, I'm talking today's Cody against five years ago Aldo, I think everyone in this room would laugh at the fact that 
Cody's even getting that fight. Oh, Aldo would have kicked the shit out of him. But yeah, now, but I mean, let's let's talk about yeah. that. I mean, like that's it seems like nothing because I think a lot of us in our you know like early millennial you know lifestyle like we we think nostalgia it's just like oh like the 90s was only like 10 years ago and like we're all realizing we're in our 30s but we're not all in our 30s relax you're close so um, (laughs) but 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 like the thing is like i think you know like that statement alone like auto of five years ago think about being a fighter professionally fighting how many fights you're doing throughout the year for five years. I mean, like, yeah, like five years ago, that's a completely different person. You know, that's that, especially when it comes to fighting. So yeah, I mean that, that, that's a big jump, but yeah, right now I think Garbrandt is absolutely going to go in there and take Aldo. All right. Well, we got to jump to the main event for that event, which was Jeff Neal versus Wonderboy Thompson. And there's not much to say. Wonderboy you're definitely getting drunk. You're bourbon now. We have to go That's to That's my soda. There's not much to say. <laughs> There's not. It won't shut up. There's not much to say <laughs> because Wonderboy fought a damn near perfect fight. There was nothing Jeff Neal could do. Uh, the last round, he almost knocked him out. He, he, he rocked him pretty good. Almost knocked Wonderboy out. There was only like 30 seconds where Wonderboy was in trouble, but it's not put it by him. And that's about all you have to say about that. So moving on. Okay, Stone Cold. All right. Well, Jeff <laughs> Neal. Gump. I guess I didn't get A good there. fight for Jeff Neal next would probably be another guy who fought yesterday, Bilal Muhammad. Uh, and for Wonderboy, we were already talking about it, either Leon Edwards or Gilbert Burns. Yeah, I, I mean, I already went off about how, how I'd like that to go. So uh, no comment, I guess, uh, since I already made it. So next up, we would have... Um, Sean, to, a good fight that Sean liked would be the natural born killer Carlos Condit versus the immortal Matt Brown. Oh my God! Um, believe it or not, I mean I like that fight, and as we just stated, like five years ago, I feel like that fight would have been a lot better. But at this point, they were both searching for a win, um, and this fight happened five years too late. Neither one of them are really that that killer anymore. Where they were both knocking people out, they were both killing people on their way to the uh, well. Carlos got to the belt and everything else. Uh, this was one of the fights that happened between veterans that just happened too late when both of them are pretty much past their prime. I mean, yeah. It was an all right fight. I mean, for the most part, it wasn't that stand-up, bang it out like we all thought it was going to well, be. Because Matt Brown tried to wrestle a lot to just try to kind of get by Condit. He won the first round off it, but after Condit stuffed him, it was all Condit. Yep. Yeah, Condit was – well, even Condit took him down. I mean, it, it kind of – it was a lot more wrestling and grappling than uh, I personally thought that that fight was ever going to get into. Yeah, I was I was more confused with that fight just because I think we all had a specific, you know, outlook on how it was going to go, and it it w- did not at all. All right, um, we got to kind of spread through it to get to the stuff that everybody wants to hear. You so we have words, and it's not I love you. Shut up. Um, so next for Matt Brown, I think Mike Perry would be a good option, and for Carlos Condit, the rematch with Robbie Lawler. Uh, the next one was Chiesa versus Magny. That one was not all that competitive. Chiesa basically took Magny down and dominated him for five rounds. There was only one fight where Magny was really in it. Um, And we talked about Chiesa. I would say Chiesa versus Colby or Leon Edwards would be nice. And Magny versus Chimaev. Then we had... Hold on. I lost my notes. Real professional, Paul. Oh, shut up. <laughs> we we, we have to go news. back to beer because he's he's yeah. not going to be able to do this with whiskey yeah. or scotch. <laughs> oh, Calvin Cater versus uh, Max Holloway. 
Max Holloway destroyed Calvin Cater. Max Holloway is arguably the best boxer in the entire UFC. But I will give Calvin Cater credit. He stuck in there. Every time they thought Max was going to put him away, he threw bombs and came back. That kid's heart and chin can never be doubted. Well, that's exactly it. Like he, he's got a great heart. He, he stayed in there, and obviously he has a chin on him to be able to absorb the abuse that he took. But that, that's really it because, you know, technique wise, it, it wasn't there. Uh, he, he was just taking a lot of shots, and yeah, I, I mean that, that's it. He has a good chin. Other, otherwise, that fight would have been over quick. Yeah, I think Cater lost like 10 years of his life after that fight. Pretty honest. much. Like, it's done. So for Cater, I was looking, and I think Shane Burgos would be a good one. Shane Burgos had a great fight against Josh Emmett. So I think that one would be a fun stand-up fight. The thing is, it's tricky for Holloway. Because you want to put him in the title fight. But as long as Alexander Volkanovsky holds the belt, it's hard to put him in for a third fight with Volkanovsky. So you got to hope Ortega wins. If that doesn't happen, the next fight for... Holloway should be Zabit Magomed Shapirov. You know, how do you even just pronounce that with as drunk as you are? <laughs> but uh... That's probably how he was able to pronounce it. <laughs> he did really well yet again. Yeah. So moving on to the event that everybody wants to hear about, UFC 257. We're going to start off with the co-main event. Michael Chandler finally yes. making his debut, getting a nice knockout win over Dan Hooker. It seemed Hooker was a little hesitant like he was w- looking for no don't, don't do that Chandler don't, don't, don't do you that. take this away from him Hold on. Don't, looking don't for looking for Chandler to wrestle and then once he threw started throwing bombs with him hooker didn't know how to adjust and wound up getting put to sleep no 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 Mike Chandler went in there with the perfect plan and he implemented it perfectly Dan Hooker this no no Dan Hooker did what he could and Mike Chandler went in there and dominated him no that's absolutely what it was and I got burned on this one because I was told that Hooker was the absolute bet and you guys talked about it on on an episode before that about we didn't know what to expect with Chandler making the jump I mean it was seamless like he absolutely came in and was a force and they're they're he now like it only took one fight for him to eliminate the whole, oh, like, can he, like, now he's here. Now he's legit. And you know how good he's been. And now that he's proved it here, it all carries over. So the momentum is profound. So, so here's your first tissue. There you oh, go. Boy. Oh, and not only that, before Paul can put out whatever bullshit he's going to try to defend himself, <laughs> um, it also went and furthered a point that I made forever ago when everyone, when you in the red hoodie told me I was wrong. That Jesus, dude. Oh my God. He's not it. driving, right? Uh, yeah, he's driving me, unfortunately. Paul, oh, give me your keys. Um, is that I think it actually furthers the point that Patricio could come over to the UFC and immediately dominate because he sure. demolished Chandler when they fought. And I don't think any of us really like denied that. No. No, I said he'd be a top five, but I don't think he'd be a champion right away. I, I don't think any of you guys did, but there was a ton of public perception that people didn't believe in the jump. It definitely didn't occur yeah. here, but there was a lot of public perception. And again, the betting lines back to two. Hooker, I think, was like a It was a slight favorite. Sign- uh, it was, no, it was pretty significant. I think I it was pretty significant. Not like significant. crazy, but at least like two to one. Hold well, on. And, we, and I know what we're going to get to next, so I'm getting two tissues out for you. Double ply. So as for the main event. No, we're still we're going here. Uh, we uh, talked uh, about uh, who's uh, next for Hooker and Tony Ferguson, and I know people were calling for Chandler to get the belt. 
or to get the title fight. It's still too early. And the person I put him up against, in my mind, which would be a good fight for him, is Rafael dos Anjos. Yeah, that makes sense. Fuck that. What? Fuck that. Why? Give him Gaethje and let him go forward. Why okay, are we actually, him I don't hate back? that. I don't hate that, Why would actually. we push him back? He just knocked out the number five. In because I'll get fight. to what I think is next and, for Gaethje in a second, because have, me and you talked about that. And, and Screw that. Screw whatever you guys are about to say. Have him and Gaethje fight it out, and the winner of those two is now the next person to get Poirier hey, for the belt. Hey, hey, this is not how this podcast runs. You and I are a team, and we're against Paul. Get on board. Yeah, get on board, Rob. I'm <laughs> backing it. your dude. No, you're right. No, I actually don't hate that. I, I that that would be one hell of a battle. But we'll talk Rob, about you why. Go back to the seven. So here we go. Wow. We're going to move on to the main event of that card. Right, here's your tissues. Say so it in three words. Well, the first part. Until... I'll let them talk first. No, no, no. Hold on. Shut your damn mouth. Not until you say three words, and it's not. You're not letting me say it. You keep interrupting. How's it Shut feel, up. Paul? How's it feel? So How's I was feel? wrong. There it oh is. Oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. Do I have to? Do I have to clip that? Oh my god! I oh, love the fact. I, but I was never happier to be wrong. No, 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 no! Hold uh, on, hold on. You can, don't strike me can, as the guy that could ever be happy can, can, to be can, wrong. Can we get that soundboard again? Uh, the same thing. Hold on. You were wrong. You were wrong. You so were wrong. I'll let Rob talk about Connor's loss, and then I'll add my two cents. Uh, no. Uh, so what I'm going to talk about is the fact that leading up to the fight, while you guys were in Disney World, uh, we were sitting here watching we the fight. We were never there. <laughs> we were sitting here in this uh, very beautiful basement where we filmed the uh, podcast, podcast paradise. The podcast paradise. Get it right or and, pay the um, price. I, I will. Uh, and <laughs> uh, leading up to it, like I forget who came out first, but we're just like, all right. One of them made it to the octagon, and the second one came out. We're like, all right, wait, he's about to take the step into the octagon. And then it's like, Brasher Poria was first. Yeah, and, then, and then, it, then it came down to, okay, but, like, he hasn't said fight yet. Like, And then as soon as he said fight, it was like, all right, Paul was wrong. The fight happened. Here we are. Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor all right, go ahead, actually Sean. happened. Hey, Rob, remember when somebody at this table said it was <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld? never going to happen. I tried. What's the deal? What's the deal with this table? <laughs> Is it a desk or a table? It was never going to happen because Conor was going to be stuck in, like, France because he had another sexual harassment charge at him. They were never going to allow it to happen. Uh, what were the other reasons that Paul Pacquiao, said Pacquiao, the weight, he didn't want happen. them. It's, it's all true. Everything yeah. I said was true. So but we're going to get... No, how, how listen, listen, there's one thing that I took... If there's one thing I took away from that entire event, it's that they clearly threw so much fucking proper 12 advertising oh, yeah. time at him that he could not pass this thing oh, down. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, too. Oh, yeah. they were so much money. The whole fight was so just proper money. 12. And they were overlooking Poirier that entire time. There's even a clip of Dana talking to Khabib, trying to get Khabib back. Like, look at how well this is projecting. Because look, if they're, if this is projecting this high, imagine what you and Connor too, could do. I'm not disagreeing, but it had to happen for that to happen. Like, that fight had to happen for you to even get that thought process through Dana. But if there's now Dana thing... was pushing for Connor Khabib two the entire time, regardless of who Connor fought, if Connor fought at all. But they have to do three for this, right? They are. Yeah, they're, they're, they are. But they are. we're going to talk about I that think it's in a second. Happen in the but summer. for those who didn't see it, Connor did win the first round. He came out strong. Yes. But Dustin did what I said Dustin was going to do that you guys didn't say he was going to do. No, he wrestled. He grappled. You all, both of you said, oh, oh. he's not going to use that. He's a he striker. He grappled for like 30 seconds and it had nothing I'm sorry, to do did he not put him in the clinch and put him against the cage in the rounds and take him down? 
points. Wait, so Connor was two of three in the clinch. Wait, wait. So, so we're we're gonna say that. So he used his grappling. He was a mixed martial artist. That's not so, why he won. He won off the calf kicks, Paul. But <laughs> what? But what happened? But did he not use the takedown? Is that something Connor then had to think about? No, the calf kicks are what he had to think about. He what? wasn't even concerned. Paul, it was, well, Paul, you are throwing shit at the wall and hoping. No, I'm not because right it was. Ha- it's exactly what happened. You said Dustin wouldn't Your use his wrestling, and he used his mouth. wrestling. So, and then in the second round, the calf kicks caught up. Connor got put to sleep. Well, the first it is round, what it is. If, if all that we, wrestling and everything... Sorry, Rob, but let me tell Paul how stupid he is. Um, Please, if, I want my in turn. In the first round, <laughs> if, if this Dustin being such a big mixed martial artist, Dustin would have won the first round if he controlled this much of it. The, the fight got stopped early-ish in the second round after the calf kicks. Now, we will say that one thing me and Rob both pointed out is that Connor's... Oh, excuse me. Connor's boxing... Was better than Dustin's. That's the one yes. thing me and Rob both said. But you said. both said you, you both said, said Dustin we wouldn't use his grappling, grappling or wrestling grappling. in the fight. Yeah, grappling. I know. His grandpa's got good. You said it's almost two p.m. You said that he was never going to use it because that's not his style. But he did use it, and he still lost the round. So, it but he did it. use it. But that's now another aspect that Connor has to take you can into throw account. Whatever shit you want at the wall and hope it sticks to it. One, one Dustin. No, because he used kicks. the exact strategy that Eddie Alvarez said he wanted to use, but he didn't use his wrestling. Use fight. leg kicks and circle away from the left. So, so here's how it goes, though. How did Dustin win? What was the defi- official decision? TKO. Okay. And the grappling took place in what round? There was there was a bunch of clinches in both rounds and a takedown in the first. How was there a bunch in the second? Yeah, yeah I mean, lasted like a minute. Yeah, in the first. No, minute. he took him out and like there was two minutes left, so that means three minutes went by. And I'm not trying to like get way... the official time was two thirty two, so it went halfway. So it halfway I'm, and I'm not trying to get too technical because heaven forbid somebody listens to this who actually you know is avid in like jujitsu or anything like that. But like if we're really saying like clinches up against the cage. Are him using his grappling? Like, really? No. He didn't use his grappling. It was nothing that Connor had to worry about. He got the better of Connor. Me and Sean are both willing to admit that. And honestly, the thing that I took away most from that pay per view was money because I bet against the guy that I like most in the UFC. So I don't even give a shit. Shane Hardy has entered the chat. Oh, shit. He's a little bitch. Nobody cares about him. You want to talk about what happened to him during the fight? So we're at a bar down in Florida, and he is talking so much shit all night about Connor, flipping me off as they're doing the walk-ins. And then as Connor goes down, I scream in his face as his head goes on the table, the little bitch that he is. So, How much did you drink? He had a lot of Cokes. I did. (laughs) Not the good kind. So... But there's a lot going on now because Dana is pushing. <laughs> I have to put us back on what track. A transition. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, Dana, yeah, yeah, whatever, Paul. <laughs> so Dana's pushing for Connor uh, Dustin three for no belt because he wants Connor to win so bad to get Khabib Connor too. But Khabib already said he's done. Yeah. He says he plans. He wants Dana to do the right thing. He should declare Dustin the champion. And he said the only fight he would might come back for is GSP. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not on board with that either. Uh, just you know, there's there's no reason to Dustin's run back. No, yeah, Dustin no, versus Connor three four. You know anything 
you know, in terms of trying to just get Connor to win to get to Khabib again and get Connor versus Khabib, especially because I honestly think that outcome would just be Khabib doing the exact same thing to Connor that he did the first time. So, you know, I, I don't like that. Uh, that's where we see the, the politics and all of this other bullshit come into play and the media hype and just the money. So I'm not a fan of that. You know, I am still to this day will 100% admit a fan of Connor and what he's able to do in the octagon. Uh, Dustin clearly got the better of him. And I'm not saying that it was like a lucky aspect, you know, no, Dustin went in with a plan. He very well executed that plan and he deserved that win. He is one hell of a fighter. My brother's talking shit. (laughs) (laughs) I can see his face, but well, uh, so it isn't Christmas, bro. Why are you wearing red and green? (laughs) You look like an elf. We have two Hardys roasting your ass. <laughs> I will do this for free for as long as this keeps All right. Well, we're going to get to some other. We got to get back on track. We yeah, can, he can roast me later. I was on track. So the only thing I didn't like about the coverage of this fight afterwards was it wasn't about Dustin winning. It was about Connor losing. It was everybody making an excuse. It was ring rust. Well, if it Tom was, Brady would have lost last weekend, it wouldn't have been not about t- Patrick Mahomes winning. It would have been about Tom Brady losing. So we're t- it was like ring rust or, you know, um, he didn't have his swagger. He wasn't the same. But, I mean, Dustin just came. And then Connor made the excuse that, you know, inactivity. And then um, he said he wasn't really training for Dustin. He was training his boxing for a fight with Pacquiao. That's on him, but moving on, uh, to, hold on, but to give Dustin his credit for what people, if they're not really hardcores, don't really understand how good Dustin is. Dustin is top 10 wins in the lightweight division, number one in knockouts, only man to finish Max Holloway, first guy to TKO Connor, and a former interim champion. So what's next for Dustin? It shouldn't be anything but a title fight, and he should fight Charles Oliveira for the vacant title. But before you guys jump in, because we're going to talk about Connor. Or what's next for Connor? Because me and you talked about this because I want to talk him. Is Justin Gaethje? Because of what Justin Gaethje said about Connor builds up such a big fight. Wait, 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 wait. You can't say let us let me get us back on track and then like throw like four different topics at us all at the same fucking time. You like, got to give him a break, dude. Like, He's had two drinks. Like here's this, here's <laughs> this. But before you comment on exactly what I just brought up, here's another thing that I want to talk yeah, about. I got like three this things is, to cover yeah, here, and I don't even like, remember half of it. Yeah, I mean, okay, so Poirier's wife is hot, and I followed her on Instagram. She got a new uh, follower. Thanks for relevant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's goddamn right. I haven't followed relevant. it yet, but I'll be on it. Yeah, you should. It's 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 very big. Um, I, I look so because you just threw off a whole bunch of gibberish about like seventeen different topics. I'm just gonna do the same thing. So uh, Poirier's wife, everybody, go follow her if uh, you are a heterosexual male or maybe a lesbian woman. Whatever. If you like women, she's very attractive. All right, Either. buddy, move on. Yep, I am. So the other thing is, uh, I like the respect that Dustin was actually showing Connor after the fight and every post interview uh the hot ones episode like everything like that you can see that there's actually like very mutual respect between these two fighters not only from when they actually like weighed in and did all of that but afterwards um i think poirier just deserves the belt i think with khabib saying that poirier deserves an interim belt if he is or is not going to come back at this point i honestly think that dana should just give it to him i don't think that he has to do another fight I think Dana White should literally just go up to Poirier and be like, after your last performance talking to Khabib and all the bullshit with him, you are the interim champ. So take that off and do what, and we can get to Gacy or whatever, but you know, gotcha. 
like at this point, I, I he he gave us five topics and I didn't know where to go with it. So, um, with Connor getting his next fight, I, I don't think it should be Gaethje. I understand you have that bad blood about Gaethje calling him a bad dad. Honestly, Connor don't give a shit about that. He'll nah. social media talk about it, but Connor don't give a shit about that. Connor don't give a shit about Gaethje, to be honest with you. Right now, um, and, and to be honest, Sean's going full thugonomics over here. Yeah. Connor don't give a shit about this. Connor don't give a shit he about really that. He really doesn't. Dude's it's a billionaire true, at this point. He don't give a shit. Anything's extra money for him. And Rapper all number that. 12. <laughs> ding, ding. So, with the the problem is you want to push... You want to push Connor and not Dustin because, like I said to you, like the thing is, is Dustin was a part of one of the lowest rated cards that the UFC put out. I think it was one of the Fox or ESPN's ones. Dustin's ratings don't pull like Connor's do. No matter what way you look at it, no matter how that's going to change. It, and again, yeah, he got five hundred thousand well, new right, followers. Right. And I said that to you that's guys the, the other day. Second highest pay per view with Connor this weekend, okay. but it's mostly Connor. Okay, again, right? And and who did it come from fighting? It didn't come. You know, he wasn't gaining that fighting Max Holloway, fighting this guy, fighting that guy. He got it from fighting Connor, beating Connor as its son for Nate Diaz will put you at a household name. It will, and if you fight him twice, it's going to put you that much higher. Now, again, I think Dustin, what Dustin should do, maybe not get the strap right away, sit back, let Michael Chandler and, and either fight Gaethje for the interim belt or, or Oliveira, whatever way you do it, or Gaethje and Oliveira, you know, whatever way that little thing is, and then let Dustin sit out, let that play out, and either go take the money fight with Connor or wait for them to fight it out and then go take on whoever that is for the actual strap. Um Shit, what other things did you point out, Paul? Is it bad that whenever anybody says Oliveira, I just think of Olive Garden? Uh, <laughs> Breadsticks. Bread Breadsticks, bro. Yeah. All right, well, to back to why I think Connor should fight Gaethje. Con- I want to hear your thought that, on breadsticks I was about to say, first, I was, like, I was like, first of all, that has nothing to do with breadsticks. <laughs> Bre- well, breadsticks. Have you ever dipped them in their chicken and yolky soup? It's heaven. What? I have not. I yeah. dipped them in the... You get their chicken yolky soup. Italian dressing. Soup and breadsticks, and then you dip the breadstick oh, into son it. of a... Bitch. Yeah, I dip in the Italian dressing. I mean, we could. <laughs> but um, so Gaethje is a fight Connor won it last year that he didn't get. And there is a lot of bad blood. And Gaethje just destroyed him in their recent interview. Not just being a bad dad, a bad person, and a bad um, role model. He killed him in everything. Connor gets uh, preferential treatment. He, he gets does. to choose his opponents. Duh. He does. He would never choose me because if he couldn't take right. Dustin's leg kicks, okay. he can't choose. He wouldn't take mine. This is everything why I said they're not going to fight. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a fight at this point that you're literally has proving my to. point by arguing your own. Says he would love to put that big mouth to sleep. Well, at least he's recognizing that he has a big mouth. That's a positive. <laughs> but it's just a. It's something that uh, Justin normally doesn't do. You don't normally see Gaethje talking shit. Yeah, because he's got to get himself relevant again. Yeah, it's how do you every, get yourself relevant? You go on social media, you go out in interviews, and you talk a bunch of shit and hope you can pull someone in the fight. Everything I brought up earlier, that you could have one or two big names under your belt, but as long as you talk shit and people are listening to you, you can be better in the rankings than someone who might be a better fighter than you. And I'm not taking anything away from Justin. I think he's a fantastic fighter, and I do think he deserves more than what he's you know getting currently. But... It's what he has to do. It's whoever his manager, his team, his camp, whoever is talking to him about this is doing the right thing and telling him, you have to do this additional step. But unfortunately, he's not that great at it. You can call, like, because, like, what Sean said, you can call out Connor and his family and all this different shit, but it's not going to matter to Connor McGregor. Connor does not give a single fuck about anyone who he doesn't have his eyes set on. Well, the biggest thing he pointed out, too, which it also hurts, Con- like, 
the actual entire division is rallying against Connor at this point and getting a title shot is he's won one fight since 2016 and he's only won one fight in the lightweight division. So he doesn't deserve anywhere near to be at the title. Yeah, well, I agree. I fully agree. And I think yeah. the lightweight division is arguably the most talented stacked division Absolutely. in all of the UFC besides maybe the middleweight at this point. But mm. look at it, looking at it like this, it's one of them situations where no matter how you look at it, no matter how you spin it, no matter how good or bad someone is, Connor generates so much money for the organization yep. that he is always going to be relevant. So that's your big thing. Now, with Connor, again, I don't think he should be anywhere near a top-end fight. I think, to be honest with you, because he called him out in, I think, before the uh, the Poirier fight, I think that Connor's going to end up fighting a guy like Al Iaquinta. I th- he said he wants to fight him. He said it would be a fun fight for him. It's a back-end guy. It's a guy Connor knows he can beat, and yep. all Connor needs is one win to put himself right back into the title contention, no matter who or what it is. I think if you were going to do that, you would probably go Paul Felder because they were arguing out a little bit and they had bad blood and Connor was calling him a fake Irish pussy. Either way, it's going to go in Connor's favor. They're going to give him a match next that he should win. And and that's all that really needs to be said about it in terms of Connor's next move. All right. Well, we're running short on time. There are two more fights. I just got to throw out there real quick. Uh, Corey Sandhagen versus Frankie Edgar have happened. Sandhagen. <laughs> Murdered. Yes. Edgar with a flying knee. Almost literally. Um, Corey Sandhagen is next in line for a title. He should fight the winner of Peter Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. Goddamn right. And for Frankie Edgar, if Dominic Cruz beats Anthony Casey, they should finally do that Legends fight of Dominic Cruz versus Frankie Edgar. Um, The other fight was um, Alexander Volkov versus Alistair Overeem. Volkov destroyed Overeem. Yeah. Um, if you're Volkov, you're probably looking at the winner of Jahir Zinho Rosenstrike versus Cyril Gain, or possibly the loser of Nganu versus Stipe. And if you're Overeem, you're probably looking at a rematch against uh, RDA. Or not RDA, uh, JDS, I'm sorry, Junior DeSantos. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all pretty straightforward there. You know, so uh, thankfully not something that uh, really needs too much discussion, but I'm sure we'll come back to it. Yeah. So it looks like we're wrapping up. Sean, anything else? Can I hear you say you were wrong again? Nope, did it once. You can fuck off after that. Uh, Rob? All right, so for that, this is Punches and Potables. Make sure to follow us on all social media at Process Potables, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and then we do have our website as well, so make sure that you go on there. Follow for all of us that, or for all of you that were following us on Twitch. We'd greatly appreciate it. We will be doing this in the future. Changes are to come, and we think that you're all going to love it, so make sure that you're following us to just keep updated on that. Anyway, here is... Paul Ryan. I'm Rob Huber. Sean Hardy. We love you. Cheers. Have a good night.